This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. I happened to be in Arizona and there was Woody, my little duckling on the wall. And as a result, I, you know, he became my character and um, I fell in love with him. And I think that's why I was able to write the book because suddenly this was a character I just loved. You know, he was afraid, he was cute, he was, you just wanted to squish him. <laughs> and, um, and that's how it all started. Curious. When you were younger, what was your favorite children's book? And when you think about that book, what was it about that book that made it so special to you? Was it the story itself? Or maybe the characters, the characters that you could relate to and connect with? Or maybe it was the illustrations that just made the story come to life. Well, whatever it was that made that book special to you, those are the elements that are so important to a children's book. And we talk about all of that with our guest today. Today, I interview Julie Bodine Schmidt, who is the best-selling author of Woody's Leap of Faith, a heartwarming children's story about a character named Woody and how he overcomes his fear of heights. We talk about what it took to come up with the idea for the story and write it and find an illustrator and all of the ins and outs of bringing a children's story to market and lots of other things as well. Julie shares some very powerful stories about how her book has already made an impact. There's lots more as we go into this conversation. So I invite you to sit back and listen in as Julie Bodine Schmidt shares her story. Julie, good morning. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Thank you. I'm excited. I am excited too. Is this the first podcast that you've done? It is. Oh, I feel very special. (laughs) I feel a bit scared. Well, together, we're going to make it great. So I'm I'm happy that you're here. I'm excited to talk about your book, Woody's Leap of Faith. Those that are watching this on YouTube are looking at the book now, and we'll make sure that it's in the notes and um, people that are listening can see it as well. I'm excited to talk about the book. I'm excited to talk about what this book has become and, and what's next, but let's just start where I like to begin, which is how how we even connected, because I always think the connections are interesting. And, you know, two people that are seemingly literally on opposite coasts of the country come together and are sitting here together right now doing a podcast. Uh, let's, let's share a little bit about how you and I connected. You know, uh, you and I connected through my spouse, Vicki, who is always looking for motivational books and books on fitness. 
I cannot tell you how many we have in our home. And um, so she was looking for books like that. And she came across a book by Todd Durkin, um, a trainer, um, fitness expert, motivational speaker. And his book just struck a chord with her. So she pursued uh, how she could be linked up with him, and she joined the IMPACT program. And I have to say, during that time, we were in Arizona, and she was crazed because she was in a competition, and she, there's 16 buildings in our compound. And she was running up the stairs of all 16 buildings because she was going to win, uh, <laughs> which is part of her and name. She did win, P.S. Yes, she did win. <laughs> and in the process, she hooked up with you as a coach. And so she learned more about you, really connected. And every once in a while, over 31 years, I'd say, you know, I really would like to write a book. So she said, you need to call Kelly because she's part of the scripter publishing. She can help you do that. And we were talking last night and she said, and you never, you didn't do it. And so, you know, days, weeks would pass. She said, you should call Kelly. And like, yeah, okay, fine. And I wouldn't do it. And last night she said, you know, I think maybe you were afraid of failure. And I said, no, it was actually before the fear of failure. <laughs> like, can I even do this? Talked about it for years. Can I do it? But um, one day, probably I was tired of hearing you have to talk to Kelly. Um, and I had an idea by then. I talked to you. And as they say, the rest is history. Um, not only did I, did I get connected with you in terms of the publishing, but of course, our book club and the richness of that. So um, life took a little veer and uh, here I am. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. A couple things there that I want to come back to because you describe that sense, you know, the, the fear and it wasn't the fear of failure yet. It was the fear right. of even, can I do it? That is something I'm, I want to reiterate because a lot of people that come to us will say that that is, that's the thing that stopped them for however many years they might've said that they wanted to become an author, but they're not sure they can actually do it. Yes. And, and, and if, if that's where they stop, you know, the book never gets done. But luckily, in your case, you had a cheerleader <laughs> yes. urging you, uh, beating you over the head, perhaps. <laughs> with, <laughs> um, and, and so I encourage people, if, if you are in the boat that Julie's describing and you're thinking, can I do it? Get people around you, talk to people around you and get the support, because I do think that support helps you move forward yes. to the next step, which is the fear of failure, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I would say not only were you in that kind of publishing role, you very much were in that coaching role. <laughs> you know, um, you can do it. Let's move on. What do you think about this? Have you thought about that? And so it made it so much easier than I thought it would be. And then it started to flow. Mm. And it really did start to flow. You had this idea. Let's let's talk a little bit about the idea because the book's called Woody's Leap of Faith. And, and you came up with the idea for this little character. Tell that story because it's a great story about how Woody even came to be. So um, I was doing some consulting with a health center in central Montana. And this is a part of Montana that 
probably has more cattle than people. There was one main street and I was on a break and I was walking down the street and happened to look into this window. I think it was probably like a gift shop. And there were these three photographs in a single frame. And the first photograph on the left was a mother duck uh, and the looking out of a nest that was in a tree. And the next photo was three little ducklings looking out of the nest. And the last photo was the three little ducklings in the air. So I went away, but it had just touched me. And the next day I came back and I bought it. And I hung it in our home in Arizona. And every time I looked at it, I said to myself, there's a story there, but didn't think about it too much. And then one day I said, I, I'd like to know more about these ducklings. And I found out they were wood ducks. I didn't know anything about wood ducks. What I discovered was that the day after they hatch, well, let me back up. Um, nowadays, some wood ducks nest in birdhouses that are made for wood ducks, but a lot of them still nest in trees. And they can nest anywhere from 20 to 300 feet up in a hole in a tree. The day after the ducklings hatch, they have to jump out of the nest and they can't fly yet. They won't be able to fly for six or eight weeks. And so I'm like, whoa, that's got to be scary. And I was thinking one of those has got to be really scared to do that. And, um, and the, interestingly enough, the picture was titled A Leap of Faith. So I kind of sat back and sat on that. And then one day, um, two things happened. One was COVID. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there was no consulting. There was no work. I'd spent a, a month of having come back from Alaska, kind of recovering from five months doing work in Alaska. And it was like, well, now what am I going to do with my life? And I happened to be in Arizona. And there was Woody, my little duckling on the wall. And as a result, I, you know, he became my character and um, I fell in love with him. And I think that's why I was able to write the book, because suddenly this was a character I just loved. You know, he was afraid. He was cute. He was you just wanted to squish him. <laughs> and um, and that's how it all started. I love that. Um, I think it's always interesting to think about where the inspirations come from and how many times we look at something in, in, in like you were looking at this picture thinking, oh, there's a story there, but then you go on with your day and you don't ever think about it again. But for some reason, it kept coming back to you and it kept kind of nudging you and nudging you until you finally were able to see this, this character, the, the, you know, the character of Woody became an emotional attachment, but also a 3D, you know, you really yes. could see him. You had a vision of him in your mind. I remember talking to you about that. Um, so the, the process of creation and how we, how we go from just this passing thought to actually creating this thing is, is interesting. You and I walked through that process and I'd love to share with the listeners a little bit about your process because once you had this vision of Woody and you were in love with this little character and you started to put yourself into his shoes, mm -hmm. his webbed feet, <laughs> then you had to start creating the story. Mm -hmm. Share with the listeners how you went about that process. You know, it's interesting because I think I I'm going to kind of 
take a little detour here. I, um, I'm in Lawrence, Kansas right now, and they have a, uh, a final Friday art walk on the last Friday of the month. And so I went on it last night with a friend and by each set of pictures by an, an, an artist, they would talk about the artist and the artist would talk about kind of what that art meant for them. And what struck me was that it was more than just, I paint pretty pictures. It was, it hits me in the heart. I set it aside and suddenly I have a conversation with it. And it was so um, connected with that individual far beyond a paintbrush. That's what happened. And so I'm not sure I really remember exactly going through step by step. I started with, okay, he's hatched. <laughs> now I, well, now he does not want to get out of that shell. And then I thought, well, there were three ducklings. So I wonder what the other two are like. And so Buzz appeared, his brother. Um, interestingly enough, my brother gave me the idea for the buzz cut on Buzz. And uh, he wears sunglasses. And he probably, in the next book, you understand he has little bit of ADHD. So he's just dancing around the rest, nest ready to go. And then I said, well, there should be a sister. And so Zoe appeared and Zoe wears a tutu because she wants to be a ballerina. And she's also lively, but not nearly as loud as Buzz, which she frequently says in the book. <laughs> and once those three characters got developed, it kind of took off. From there, because I really was thinking, here is this frightened little duckling sitting in the um, nest. And at some point he has to jump out. And what is he going to go through to do that? And so he went on a journey and I went on a journey with him, uh, ending up with him finally taking that leap of faith and jumping after trying to figure out all sorts of ways, first of all, to explain why he was not going to jump. And secondly, trying to figure out other ways to get down. Um, and a rope and a ladder just didn't seem like it was gonna be very plausible. So again, I think it, I don't even know the, the right word for it, but it was this journey that just kind of started to develop a life of its own. And when it was done, I knew it was done. Mm -hmm. I think that happens often when you get into a work whatever it is, you sort of create the arc of, of the journey, you know, yes. the, where, where the character goes. But when you really put yourself into the story and put yourself into the character, then you begin to experience it so that you can then write about it. And I remember having a conversation with you when, when we were talking about what that fear really feels like, the fear of heights. Yes. And I asked you, is that something you've ever experienced? And you shared a story with me about that. Would you care to share that? Well, now I'm trying to remember what the story was. I think it was going up on the diving board. Oh, thank you. Yes. I, I Actually, there's another fear that I had that I just recently remembered. But um, I was taking a junior life-saving. Um, my mother was going back to college. And she would take four children, live in this little tiny apartment, and we got to do our own thing. So I was taking junior life-saving and I didn't realize that one of the things you had to do was jump off the high dive. 
Um, and so I climbed up. That was okay. Climbing out was not so okay. And then I just stood there and it was like, well, now what am I going to do? I'm really afraid to jump. But the saying on the ground, you have to jump to pass. <laughs> and so I did. I kind of took a leap of faith, jumped, made the mistake of looking at the water, got a good face flat. Um, but I did it. And what I realized, remember the other day, another time when I was really frightened is I was at a retreat and the facilitator made us close our eyes and walk around the room. And I just stood still. And later she commented on that, that surprised her. And it was like, well, that was safe. I just didn't move, wasn't going to run into anything. And I, although I hadn't remembered it at the time that I was writing the story, I think in some ways that's what Woody did. He just wanted to stay safe and in one place. So I think I was bringing out those moments when I truly was fearful and managed to overcome them. Um, and brought it to this this little character. Yeah, absolutely. And also the, the reason for writing it as a children's book is the recognition that children often experience these fears and they don't know what to do with them. You know, yeah. as adults, we can deal with it a little bit differently, but kids are experiencing these fears in a different way. So you chose to write this children's book and you know, your, your background is not in working with children. <laughs> so what was, what, what made you think it's going to be a children's book? It's not just a book about overcoming fear. It's going to yeah. be a children's book. Well, it's interesting because I had started a book before and um, I love mysteries. So I assumed, well, I'll write mysteries. And I actually had like eight chapters outlined Clearly, it didn't grab me because I still have the eight chapters outlined, and that was two, 20 years ago. Um, so I think as I thought about, one, it was Woody. It was that character. And I wanted to speak to children, and I, I knew I wanted to have some kind of lesson in the book, but I didn't want it to be a lesson that hit you over the head that would be subtle. And I, I hope I achieve that where, you know, fear and being brave is intermixed with humor <laughs> and scary moments and funny moments. Um, and so it just became apparent, if you will, that this is targeted towards kids. But what I've discovered <laughs> is that other people like it. And I want to tell you a story. I thinking about fear. I had a staff person come in yesterday and he handed me my book. I said, ah, you bought the book. He says, I want you to autograph it to my twins. And I did. His son has a sensory disorder and it makes him very fearful of things. And he said his son loved the book because Woody was afraid, but Woody overcame that fear. And his dad being very perceptive said, Wherever you see the name Woody, put your name in. These are 12-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And so I had kind of initially started out, oh, maybe a four to nine-year-old. I'll tell you later, there was a high school group that heard my book and were, quote, mesmerized. Mm -hmm. And adults laugh at it. So in a sense, I wrote a book that hopefully anybody could enjoy, but is really 
for children. I like my heart is so warm just hearing that story of how you helped his son. And I think that, you know, all, all of us that put a work of art of any sort out into the world, our hope is that it touches somebody, you know, that, yes. that and, but I don't know that we always get to know who it touches. We just exactly. put it out there and you don't always get to meet. So for you to be able to have him come in and say, this helped his son, how did that feel? But same as you just warm my heart, touched, touched me. And you know, it was like that wasn't my intent as I wrote the book. The intent was to write a, a book that children could connect with. But I'm I'm so thrilled that that happened. Um, and that it, it, it did touch this young boy and he has challenges in life. And to have him say, oh, here's somebody kind of like me. You know, he's afraid of you know, like going upstairs and closed in spaces and Woody's afraid of jumping. Um, so who knows, maybe there's other kids out there having the same experience. I, I actually hope so. Yeah. Or like you said, even other adults, you know, people yes. a way of looking at fear a little bit differently. Yes. Yeah. So writing a book is one thing. Writing a children's book is a completely different thing in part because of what you're describing, you know, wanting to write it in a way that a child will be able to receive it. Mm -hmm. But the illustration of a children's book is an extremely important part of the process. And you happen to partner up with an extremely talented illustrator. And so I want to talk about Michelle. Let's share a little bit about how the two of you connected and why you knew that she was the one to become the illustrator for this story. So it was time to pick an illustrator. And of course, here I am, a first time writer. Um, it was like, okay, how do I do that? And I had connected with a couple of people and you had done, I believe, a web search for illustrators. And Michelle at one point, had actually had uh, dedicated herself to graphic design. She did cards a lot. But when the recession hit, she had to go back to teaching school. But she still had her web page. And so um, she was one of the three people that I sent parts of the story to and asked them to submit pictures. As soon as I saw that first picture, which is Woody in his shell with a look like, oh, wow, <laughs> yikes, <laughs> I knew she was it. And it took, I had loved this little character, but then seeing the character just took it to another level. Yeah, I'm going to show that picture because I want them <laughs> to and she captures that look of, uh-oh. <laughs> it is such a beautiful image. And, and absolutely, you can see the expression and the detail that she brings out in the emotion of this character. Yes. Um, so beautiful. And because you had such a vision in your mind of what this character is, getting somebody to be able to translate your vision. Yes. <laughs> You know, it seems like an impossibility. So, it, you know, in, in many ways, it's just amazing that, that that you connected 
and found that person. Yeah. And, you know, Michelle and I have really become partners, if you will, um, not just an illustrator who I paid to do a, a job. In fact, her oldest son um, developed the, a web page for me. And Michelle lives uh, in Oregon, but not far from where I grew up in Washington State. And the first time we ever connected by phone, her husband at the time had a wood duck carving on the wall and her daughter, I think is like middle school or maybe younger, about eight or nine, was writing a story about wood ducks. So it was like, okay, this is it. It's karma. We have connected and we have stayed connected. And um, would you mind if I read something that she just sent me? I would love to hear it. It was so um, great. So um, we're, we're in communication a lot, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. She said, by the way, today in my high school art class, and this is important, it's high school, I was showing them the book, and they asked me to read it to them. And you could have heard a pin drop because they were so engaged and mesmerized by the story. They loved it and thought it was perfect for starting the school year. They want to buy it also. And it was like, both of us were like, wow. Because honestly, the book wouldn't be the same without Michelle's illustrations. And so it really was, it was, it had to be both to make it a success. And to me, I said yesterday to Vicki, to me, success is not how many books I sell. It's do I have that kind of impact? that I just described. And that's really all I need. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I also want to, um, <laughs> I don't even know if you know this or if we talked about it, maybe it's something you wouldn't have remembered, but just to really put the exclamation point on the karma of the connection. Mm -hmm. When I, I actually wasn't a web search. I actually put it out to my contacts. I think oh, I put okay. it out on, on Facebook or something today. If anybody was interested in submitting some photo or some illustrations for a book. And Michelle was actually a friend was referred by one of my friends, Cindy Henderson, who was <laughs> it with me in the Todd Durkin mastermind group. Okay. So Vicki connecting with Todd's yeah. book. Cindy connected with Todd and me through his mastermind group. Yeah. And she's the one who referred Michelle. So there's um, the way the universe works yeah. if you allow it. Yeah. I did not know that. Um, so that that's great. Yeah. She's a, she's an amazing person. I've already signed her up for the second book because my fear is as soon as people they read that name, uh, I'm not going to have time. She's not going to have time for, for me. So we're going to, we're starting to work together again. Yes. Yes. She's, she's extremely talented and um, the illustrations do really help capture the words of the book. And I think that's something that, that people that haven't really thought about writing children's books may not realize is that mm -hmm. the, the words are not enough for children. They need to see yes. the images and they have to be they have to be just right, or it, the message will be lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she did a great job. So that was a one of those really um, 
synergistic connections that <laughs> happened out of the blue. And so what what has happened? You've you've described a little bit um, in terms of you know your your coworkers' son being mm -hmm. um, influenced by it. Certainly, these high school students being influenced by it. Um, what else? What else have you experienced now that you can actually walk out into the world and say I'm a I'm a published Amazon bestselling author? <laughs> One thing is is that um, I had business cards made up, and a little circle. And I discovered clip art um, <laughs> that for $12.50, you can get a week's worth <laughs> of photo ready, ready clips. And so I got my little business card. And when I would, you know, I happened to mention that I was writing a book, people would say, oh, let me know when it comes out and I'll say, <laughs> here's the information. Um, and so it's been interesting to see who has then followed up on that. So my book is now in Sweden um, because one of the physicians I work with, one of his grandchildren lives in Sweden. And of course, that's where my grandparents came from. So I wrote to them and then I, and he wanted them all autographed. He came to me with a sack of the books and I said, oh, wow, you bought the books. And I handed it back to him and he said, no, no. <laughs> handed it back to me, said, I want you to sign them. So to his grandchildren. And so to his two Swedish grandchildren, I wrote a little bit in English. And then I said, from one Swede to another, and then I put in the uh, Swedish word for enjoy. So the book is now in Sweden. I think you took it to Ireland. Did hey, you? I did. Your book is now in Ireland. And um, it's uh, going in the library uh, where we live in Washington State. Um, and so it's just, it's interesting, the process of people kind of, you know, I have a sister-in-law who has more great nieces and nephews than I can ever imagine. So she bought 11 books. <laughs> and then it starts to go from there. And so at this point, I really don't know how many books have been bought, but I know that people who do go ahead, they connect with me. And... Um, I hadn't, I kind of hadn't thought about that that would be part of this whole process of people saying to you, wow, that was a great book. I loved it. My kids loved it. And, and then telling me, you know, some more specifics. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but that was, that's been my experience since then. And part of it, you know, part of the experience is just <laughs> having never written a book, um, that whole writing, getting it published was a journey I didn't realize was quite so complicated. And, um, you know, trying to find time to make sure I, I was true to that at the same time dealing with the rest of my life. Yeah, because you, this is not your full-time job. No, it is not. <laughs> and you didn't even intend to have a full-time job, but in the midst of this, you got a full-time job. So, That's right. <laughs> um, as, as you're doing this interim work right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is, um, I'm glad you actually brought that up, the idea of these connections, because certainly books do connect people. And it's an unexpected side benefit of getting yes, yes. your work out into the world is that you meet people or hear from people that you would never, ever have connected with had it not been the book that brought you together. Yes. And what's interesting is this physician, um, 
when I first came to this interim position, um, I had to say to him one day, I, I don't take threats lightly. Because <laughs> he was kind of this gruff guy, older man, kind of like, if you don't. And I've come to know him. We've developed a, a working relationship. But there was a leap when I saw the side of him about his grandchildren. And he saw a side of me that he liked. And it changed our relationship. So here it was, you know, kind of going along. Um, and then now connecting on that. And he could tell me about his granddaughters. And he just lit up. And he could give me the book to sign for them. So again, something I hadn't expected, um, but happened. Yeah, an interesting way of breaking down walls. Yes, very. Very, oh, that's great. Uh, I will share, I did bring it to Ireland. I was just in Ireland with my daughters, as I was telling you a couple of weeks ago. And my cousin there has a little boy, Isaac, who is 15 months old. And so as I was leaving, I was, you know, packing some things to bring as gifts and your book had just come out not too long before that. And I had ordered a few copies because I knew I would be giving it out. And the only disappointment that I can share is I didn't have time to send it to you to get it signed. <laughs> if I had had time, I would have, but I didn't yeah. have enough time. So I brought the book and on the last day he brought Isaac over and, and I gave him the book. And, and so he got a chance to play with it. And his mother is um, a social worker. And so she was, you know, going through it with him. And yes. so, yeah, it, it has made it to the shores of Ireland. <laughs> I have two pictures of um, people with babies <laughs> and the book, and they're probably about the age <laughs> that you're talking about. I think they were probably ready to chew on it, uh -huh. but it looked like they were reading as they were heading towards the page. Um, but someday, you know, give them a couple of years and uh, their, their parents will read to them and then they'll read it themselves. And, and then maybe they'll write a book. Who knows? Oh, there you go. Wouldn't that be a great gift? Yeah. <laughs> So what's next for you? you? You've said you're sort of working on this second book. What's your vision of what you're going to continue to do in terms of writing? Well, I definitely have a second book already in mind and, and outlined. It just didn't feel like the story was done. Um, and <laughs> the second book is still following these little characters. And originally I thought it was going to focus on Buzz. And then I, and then it didn't, <laughs> you know, it somehow writing just takes its own path sometimes. And so um, they've all now jumped out of the nest and mother duck informs them that now they're going to water, which is what wood ducks do. And there they'll swim. And Woody basically is, I just jumped out of a tree. I, don't intend to swim. No way. I'm not swimming. And in the process of getting to the river, um, Buzz takes many little side trips and then finally gets lost. And so I will weave something in there about that child that's kind of hyperactive. And But Woody decides that he has two choices. He can go look for Buzz or he can go swimming. He decides looking for Buzz is far better choice because he'll do it all from the shore and uh, 
And as he goes, he encounters other animals. So this time, other animals are coming into it. And um, the picture on the web page page about coming next is um, he's sitting on top of what he thought was a rock, contemplating, I still haven't found Buzz, but the rock is really an aged, cranky turtle um, with little round glasses, (laughs) who basically says, what do you think I am, buddy? And, um, And each time he encounters animals where he's saying, have you seen Buzz? They, one, laugh because Buzz is described as he's this big, this tall, and he wears sunglasses and he has a buzz cut. And he's still wearing his little red helmet, which was the magic helmet in the first book that gave him that feeling that he could do it. And so seeing a little duckling in a red helmet is quite humorous to some of these people too, these characters. One, a muskrat asking him, going bicycling? And uh, so it's evolving and new characters are coming in, these other animals, but Woody is, is still there and having adventures. I, I don't know where it's going exactly. So it, it's been set aside while I do other work, but I trust at some point I'm going to figure out where it's going. <laughs> it doesn't have an end yet. Describe <laughs> that process because I think it's an, um, you know, everyone has their creative process in a different way, but something that you described there I think is really intriguing, which is I thought the character was going to go this way, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. You explain that. What do you exactly mean by, you know, because ultimately you are the writer, right? You're in control of this character. It can do whatever you want it to do. But you described that as if the character had its own (laughs) control. Honestly, I think in some way it does. And of course it's me. But it's the part of me that is linked to this character. And so I don't find writing or this writing as something that is kind of um, intellectual and kind of removed from my feelings. It's just there, kind of in in my heart, my soul. Um, And so I really thought this would follow Buzz. And it wasn't very long into an outline that I, I just felt, and that's the best word, and it's hard to describe what that feeling was, but no, this is still about Woody. And bringing in Buzz, who's off doing his own thing, um, but that he still had an adventure he needed to take. And, And he shows some fears still, and but he's braver now. So I think it shows that journey too. Um, so yeah, it, I wish I could describe that. There was a moment when I said, nope, this isn't going to be about Buzz. This is going to be about Woody. And it wasn't that uh, clear. It just happened. kind of. And so almost intuitively, I guess, um, I, and I really in work and in writing and in play, I trust my intuition. And so I just intuitively knew, no, for the story to mean something to me and to have a life that I want it to have, it's going to go this way now. 
kind of amorphous, but yeah, no, it's really it's 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 actually a, a really interesting conversation uh, <laughs> because what I hear you describing and what I've heard other artists, and not just writers, but artists mm -hmm. describe, um, some would call it sort of the flow state when when you get out of your head and into your gut or into your heart, as you describe it, that intuitive <laughs> space where you feel something is different than the mental space where you're thinking something, right? Those are two yes. different energies. And uh, Elizabeth Gilbert describes it really beautifully. Uh, I think it's in her book, Big Magic, where she talks about how we all have sort of these antenna up all the time, sort of sensing ideas, you know, ideas are literally being picked up, thought about. But there's a distinct difference between when it's picked up mentally, and you think about it, like, yes. like you described when you saw the, the picture and you thought there's a story behind it, mm -hmm. you know, you picked it up, but then it somehow sifts down and comes together from another space. Mm -hmm. And that's what you just actually really beautifully described as this intuitive sense. Yes. This is the direction I need to take it. Yeah. And it, at that point, at least the outline of it becomes easy. I know from working on this one, filling in the details and having it read well and write well, that's not as easy. But the idea, the vision suddenly becomes fairly easy. And I'm actually just kind of sitting and waiting. Um, you know, what I typically do is suddenly there will be this kind of idea and I immediately go to my notes on my phone and I put it, there's a, there's a folder called Buzz's book because <laughs> that's how it started out. And so I'll just make those little notes. And as a time, when I have time, I go back and see, and sometimes I say, yeah, well, that was an interesting idea, but it doesn't ring true, or I need to follow that up. Um, so, you know, still a lot of time ahead of me to, to flesh it out and work on it. Um, and that time will come. Mm -hmm. when, it, when it's just right, as, as this one did. Yeah. If people are now hopefully as intrigued about this book as, <laughs> as we've described it, where can they where can they get it? They get it on Amazon.com under Woody's Leap of Faith. Uh, if they put in Julie on the search, Julie Bodine Schmidt, which is how I'm listed as the author, they will get an S-C-H-M-I-T-T. And I talked to the person who's my link with Amazon. And basically it's we can't fix it. So I'm just like, it still comes up my book. Uh, <laughs> Wrong. Well, um, <laughs> there are technical problems everywhere. I'm not the only one who has them. And uh, so that's how they get it through Amazon.com. Excellent. And and also, I should say that on our scripture page, I think um, there's a link to the okay. Amazon link. And on the on our, my web page, um, which is uh, juliebodineschmidt.com. Um, and I'm going to double check with that. Uh, yes, www.juliebodineschmidt.com. There is a link also uh, to Amazon. And um, that also is where on the webpage, you'll see when the next one is actually up. Nice. 
Well, certainly it's inspiring to anyone out there who's interested in writing a book and especially a children's book to know that it can be done, that 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 first fear of can I do it can be overcome and the fear of failure can be overcome and the success of knowing that what you put out there actually impacted somebody, Mm -hmm. made an impression, mesmerized somebody can happen. And that's pretty powerful. It is powerful. And it's so just one of those treasures you get in your life, you know, that through the stressful times, difficult times, you can just go back to that little treasure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Julie, as we finish up today, you know, I always like to end the conversation by just asking what the term it just takes one means to you. And I'm just curious. So I actually thought about that a lot. And I had several, it just takes one. Um, It took one picture that captured my heart. And that was probably the big one. Um, It took one last nudge from my spouse to move me from that picture to writing a book. And it took one little character, Woody, who came alive and helped me write the book. Um, and, and those were the ones surrounding all those. It just took one was one of you and one of the, the editor of the grammar and one of the page editor and, and Michelle, but I would say those were the ones that really resulted in the book being written. Yeah, that were enough to give you the confidence. And in fact, more than confidence. Like you couldn't stop it once yes. it had that momentum going. Yeah. It had to come out. Yeah, this one, it would never have been left lying in my drawer like the other one is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Woody had to be here. That's right. <laughs> and, and Vicky said, oh, you know what we need? We need pl- little plush Woody dolls. I think you talked about that too. And um if I wanted to buy 500, I could indeed get a plush Woody doll. And I would really love to have one. Um, but we're setting that aside. <laughs> when the time is right. That's right. You will appear in that form. That's right. <laughs> Julie, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, but it was also just a pleasure to work with you. Just the way that you went through this process and took it a step at a time and poured your heart into this process. It has just been such a pleasure. And I'm just so happy that although this is the first, it will not be the last because I know there is so much more in you that needs to be shared. Thank you very much. And we will talk with you soon. Writing a children's book comes with its own unique set of challenges, and Julie did a great job describing how she met those challenges as she brought her book to life. He described everything from what it takes to get the story just right, to how to find an illustrator who can really capture your characters. He also described the hesitancy that she had when she originally had the idea to even begin writing. She said she had a dream, 
but she wondered if she could. I think that's something that we can all relate to. And if you are someone who has had a dream to write a book and you think, I wonder if I can, then I hope Julie's story inspires you because you can. All you need to do is surround yourself with some people who can support you and make your own leap of faith so that you can get it done. That's it for us for today. Thank you as always for joining us on It Just Takes One. And I encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll be notified when new episodes drop. For today, I will turn it back over to you. It is time for you to go out and be the one.